Hebrews 2020, and this is our first We See Jesus in 2022. And instead of furthering our exegesis, which we will continue to do throughout this year, perhaps, my intention today is simply a reflection, which I entitle Remembering Jesus' Death. A meditation or a reflection to begin the new year with. And so, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness through 2021. And we share our confidence in you and take a bold approach to the throne of grace for 2022. We ask that you will bless the going forth of your word and may our eyes truly see Jesus. May our eyes truly see Jesus Christ and him crucified. And may our hearts be impressed by reflection upon his death. For we ask it in his name, amen. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But it's not only when we eat the bread and drink the cup that we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim the Lord's death by carrying it with us always in 2 Corinthians 4.10 so that the life of Jesus will be manifested in our mortal bodies in 4.11. To proclaim the Lord's death Effectively, we must always remember the death of Jesus and be impressed with its importance and significance. Of Jesus, the inspired scriptures certainly testify, as we recently saw, that he lives. Even more, the scriptures testify of him that he lives having died. Even beyond that, he lives having died for all, so that in him, all died. This may have been the most profound insight that Paul ever expressed, one which resulted in him being overtaken by the love of Christ and forever motivated by it. In Hebrews 2.9, the scripture says, and again, that's our title verse for the whole series, and we should remember this. He experienced death for everyone. 2 Corinthians 5.14 keeps barging forward, demanding our attention. It says, if one died for all, then all died. This truth cannot be overemphasized. It requires our full attention. It requires our full reflection. In tandem with 2 Corinthians 5.14 is this declaration from 2 Timothy 2.11. Since we died with him, we will also live with him. It's with his life that we live, not just any old life. We live sharing his own life. As Ephesians 2.5 says, while we were dead in trespasses, 
He made us alive together with Christ. Made us alive together with him. That Jesus lives means we live. And again, not just live, but live with his life. Jesus' death has obvious universal implications. He died for all and all died when he died. For it can also be said that he died as all. The scripture says that all sinned and that all sin. Romans 3.23 and 5.12. The scripture which cannot be abolished says the wages of sin is death. In Paul's usual use of the word sin, it's portrayed as a personification and of an enemy, an eschatological enemy of ours. The wages of sin, the wages that sin pays out, is death in Romans 6.23. When Jesus, who is called the one who died in Romans 6.7 and 8.34, died, when he called the one who died, now think of that phrase, the one who died, in fact, that one word which will appear in our title, ha, the article, ho, and then a P-O-T-H-A-N, Omega O N. Ha Apathanon. Ha Apathanon. The one who died. What if you were to look about and see the whole human race in one fell swoop, in one sweeping horizon? You saw every person ever born, every person ever lived, and you only saw one who died. The one who died is the man Christ Jesus. But he died as all. And he is the one who died. Ha apathonon. It's found again in Romans 6, 7 and 8, 34. And there are only three times in the scripture where the word apothanon is used. The aorist participle apothanon possesses the qualities of an adjective and a noun. In other words, it's a verb, but it has qualities of a noun and an adjective. So it's properly translated as he who has died. Remember what Jesus said to John when he saw him on the Isle of Patmos. Don't be afraid, John. I am he who lives. Oh, and I died. And yet look at me now, I'm alive forever and ever. He lives as an archpriest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Once again, in Romans 8.34, in which we have a very strong link to Hebrews. In fact, I think we could go from Romans 8.34 into Hebrews. In Romans 8.34, which has a strong link to Hebrews, Christ Jesus, by name, is called ho apathanon, the one who died. Who's going to condemn you? Who's going to accuse you? The one who died? 
Don't be a fool. Of course not. The one who died. Do you see the implications of this? Only the Holy Spirit can deliver them to you and show you. Of all human beings, Jesus is the one who died. You say, wait just a minute. That reminds me of my grandfather who used to say, now wait just a minute. Especially if I was on the road to doing something wrong. He'd say, now wait just a minute. And you might say, wait just a minute. Billions of people have died. The papers are full of obituaries. We, and I speak for myself, have lost loved ones this past year and friends, and members of Tetelestai Phalanx. Don't tell me there's only one who died. But to that outburst, I would calmly say, you see, you have the outburst, but I calmly say, but there is one person, namely Christ Jesus, who is called the one who died, because in his death, he tasted death for everyone. In his death, he tasted and experienced something that nobody else experiences in their death. The wages of sin. He alone experienced the full blast of the wages of sin. Where sin would take us if it could take us all the way. That's what he experienced. For the unbreakable scripture says, and this cannot be stressed forcefully enough, if one died in behalf of all, and remember those old fulfilled conditions, that's a fulfilled condition, and one did. If one died for all, and oh, one did. then all died. Repetition is necessary here because we're making a doctrinal point and securing a vital link to Hebrews from Paul's epistles. Furthermore, this doctrine is one that I would not want to die not having taught. I don't want to stand before my Lord and see the crucifixion marks in his hands and feet and side and not have spoken and proclaimed this word. The one who died is Christ Jesus, who is also said to be the only mediator, the only mediator between God and humankind. In 1 Timothy 2.5, the one who died is also used in Romans 6.7, where it is said that the one who has died is liberated from sin. There that famous verb dikaiao, usually translated as justified, means liberated. The one who died is liberated from sin. And that one who died is Jesus. He died as all. In dying, he was liberated from sin. Therefore, in dying, all were liberated from sin in him. For this reason, he who was delivered over for our sins was raised up for our justification 
and for our liberation from sin, from sin's control, from sin's penalty, from sin's consequences. Jesus' justification is the justification of all humanity once in Adam. Follow this reasoning. If one died for all, then all died. The one who died was also raised from the dead. So all who died when he died are destined to live with him. This is a slam dunk. Because since we all died with him, then we will all live with him. 2 Timothy 2.1 I'm making some links here that are hard to make. But they need to be made, and once they're made, they're secure, secure links. And in Christ, all will be made alive in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Can't repeat that one enough either. If the one who died was freed from sin, then all who died when he died are freed from sin. That is, freed from its grip and its gross pay. From its grip and its gross, its gross pay or wages. So one may ask and say, wait just a minute. Why did Jesus need to be freed or liberated from sin? He knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He had no sin, 1 John 3.4 and 5. He did no sin in 1 Peter 2.22. He was tested in every point like we are and yet without sin in Hebrews 4.15. So how could he be liberated from sin and how can you say that? And how did Paul say that? To that I'd reply this. True, but he was made to be sin. Being made to be sin, don't you think he may have needed to be liberated from sin? I think so. That's one experience that is impossible to describe as it is also impossible to describe the experience of liberation from becoming sin. All of this arises from a Christological interpretation of scripture. It's right to interpret the one who died in Romans 6-7 to be Christ Jesus. Because in Romans 8.34, the strong link to Hebrews, Christ Jesus is explicitly stated to be, quote, the one who died. The one who died. The one who died has also been raised and now makes intercession for us at the right hand of God. And who is us there, if not the all who died when he died for all. Obviously the one who died and who was resurrected and now makes intercession for us is the archpriest forever as prefigured in Melchizedek. Christ Jesus is forever known as the one who died. Even in his resurrected and glorified splendor, crowned with glory and honor, 
Jesus is known as the one who died. We must never forget that he is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Our key verse comes up again in Hebrews 2.9. He is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. The death in which he endured the wages of sin for everyone. We don't have to wonder why, at least we don't anymore, wonder why, why Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him having been crucified. Those who want to forget about Jesus' death, and there's quite a few of the theologians that do, those who want to forget about Jesus' death and concentrate only on his resurrection from the dead, fail to remember that he is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. If it were up to me, we would never forget that. And that's why I'm starting off 2022 this way. God raised up Jesus from the dead. The God of peace led him up from the dead. The great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus. Why? On account of the blood of the everlasting covenant. He lives and he's raised from the dead because God raised him from the dead as a dramatic acceptance of the blood of the everlasting covenant, of the significance of his death. When you see Jesus face to face, you'll see the living one, but you will also see in him one who has died. One who has endured something incalculable for you, incomprehensible for you and I. And that will show from his eyes, from his countenance, from his scars, from his ever-livingness and glorious being, from his joy, from his peace, from the extreme happiness that he expresses in welcoming you to glory. Now, there's a slight addendum to this reflection, to our message today. I said early th earlier that there are three times in Scripture where the word ha-apathanon is used. Two of those are in Romans, and one is in Hebrews, Hebrews 11.4 to be exact. In Hebrews 11.4, it describes Abel, the first in the list of faith heroes, Abel, as one who died and yet who still speaks. Abel still speaks to us as one who died by the hands of his brother who was filled with resentment. His blood spoke to God as it cried out from the earth. Abel's death was the death of a martyr and his blood cried out to God for justice. Jesus' death was the death of an all-saving Savior. 
even though he too was put to death at the hands of his brothers in Resantamon and Envy, in Matthew 27, 18, and Mark 15, 19. But his death was the death of an all-saving Savior, and his blood speaks from heaven now in Hebrews 12, 24, and not from the earth. And it speaks of the universally saving justice of God. Abel is one who died and yet still speaks. Jesus is the one who died, the one who died by bearing the wages of sin for all. And he speaks these words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid as you face 2022. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. And the living one. I was dead. I'm the one who died. But look, I'm alive for the endless ages and I hold the keys of death and of Hades. And because he said that, I can say this. If someone says, how do you have peace in these times and how do you have peace in circumstances, in your personal circumstances or in the national circumstances, and my answer would only be this, I died. And my life is hid with Christ in God. When the one who died died, I died. Now my life is not the one that people view or the one that people judge or the one that I self-judge because I know I'm a sinful man. The life that I now live is hid with Christ in God. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. And if there's any faithfulness that people would attribute to me at any given time, I would immediately bat it away and say it is the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God by self-justification. Jesus would say this to you. In fact, he does. The reason I'm crowned with glory and honor is because I suffered death. A death that you will never experience, but one by which you will have infinite benefit and oh how I rejoice in giving it to you I want to quote Torrance again I did in the New Year's Eve message or the New Year's message he said God does not offer any explanation for evil, but deals decisively and finally with it by entering himself into its abysmal chasm. 
God himself had to make atonement in order to save us. In Jesus' death, he entered into the abysmal chasm separating us from God. None of us knows the exceeding sinfulness of sin and its egregious and devastating and fatal nature. So none of us appreciates what Jesus endured in putting it away once at the end of the ages. We who died when he died, therefore means all. All died when he died, and so all will be made alive with him, with his life. That Jesus lives to make intercession for us, to save us to the uttermost, to save us completely, in Hebrews 7.25, means that his intercessory ministry is universal. He intercedes for all of humanity to save all humanity completely. To save all of humanity completely means to bring all of humanity into participation with his own incorruptible life and livingness, even bodily. His intercession is more than just endless prayer for us. He lives for us as the guarantor of eternal life for all all of humanity, and in fact, all of creation. Again, the great contrast between the Levitical priesthood and the priesthood of Jesus is the contrast of death and life. And as Romans 5.10 says, if, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his son's death, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? How does this coordinate with the 2022 theme of the King's Highway? I said, let's call this the year of the King's Highway before I knew what it meant, and I still don't know what it means. Well, when John the Immerser and Jesus' forerunner began, quote, preaching a baptism of repentance based on the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, quote, the voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the highway of the Lord. That's the king's highway. Every ravine will be filled and every mountain will be made low. The crooked will be made straight and the rough will be made smooth and all flesh will experience the salvation of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord, and all flesh will experience it. Our great king walked on the highway prepared for him. That highway led to the cross on Skull Hill. Because our king walked on that highway that led to his death, all flesh will experience the salvation of the Lord. For his death is a saving death. The death in which Jesus experienced the wages of sin for everyone, from which he could not and did not save himself, is the death that led to the salvation of all flesh. By Jesus' death and by his blood, Jesus opened up a new and living highway 
Hebrews 10.20. He opened it for us through the curtain, that is to say, his flesh. It's on that highway, the king's highway, that the ravines in our life will be filled and the mountains before us will be leveled as we shout grace, grace to them. You have a problem. You wonder how to work yourself through the problem. You wonder what to do. The problem is insurmountable. You want to give up. But here's a better solution. Shout grace, grace at it. And that mountain will become a plain. Grace. Grace. Seemingly insurmountable obstacles will be leveled not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. On the king's highway, we will get a new grip with our tired hands and find strength for our weak knees, experience preservation in the trials of the end time. Hebrews 12, 12 to 13 joins nicely with Isaiah 35, 3 there and 35, 8 through 10. It's on the king's highway that the crooked will be made straight and the rough will be made smooth. It's on the king's highway that we acknowledge that we were crucified with our king, the king of kings. On the king's highway, we entrust our spirits to the father of spirits, Hebrews 12, 9 and 10. We submit to him, the father of spirits, and live. On the king's highway, we commit our souls to a faithful creator. On the king's highway, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is our reasonable spiritual priestly service. On the king's highway, we are being perfected as the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth not by empty ritual and pretense. On the king's highway, a new and living highway that passed right through the torn flesh of our king, we are being perfected in our vocation as priests, even as Jesus was perfected in his vocation as our great archpriest. In 2022, justice is coming. God's saving justice because of Jesus' death and because of the just and mysterious law of the cross. Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in 2022. And Father, let your justice come in the form of a powerful proclamation of the gospel. Let your saving justice come. Let it change and convert individuals, restore families, restore marriages, and be efficacious toward the restoration of communities. And may we find on this King's Highway, Father, that our knees are strengthened, that our hands that hang at our waist and our side are lifted up and may you perfect us as your worshipers for we think so much 
and so often about the Christian life, but it's Christian worship that you're after. It's right worship. And from right worship comes right living, right thinking. Perfect us as your worshipers, Father. Let us be those whom you seek, worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.